Welcome back to another episode of 30 Flirty and Surviving. It is Tracy. New episodes drop every Monday at 9 a.m. on Apple, iHeart, Spotify. And then we also have some clips on YouTube for my visual learners out there. And you can check on everything going on with the show on Instagram at 30 Flirty Surviving. But you already know that. Thanks for tuning in. It is so good to be here and to talk to you guys once again. I have a very cool, and I think this guest today is going to be somebody that you guys are going to totally fall in love with because I certainly did. Her name is Katie Grimes. Um, She is a business coach. She started her own coaching business where she was originally a a dating coach, which is very interesting. We'll kind of get into maybe not quite like you think about dating coach, but started off there and then realized, hey, I have all this really amazing information and I want to be able to share it and help others. So her business actually expanded into coaching others how to start their own businesses. She has a podcast of her own called Anything for Love. She has been, um, gosh, published in Women's Health, in Medium. Um, You've probably seen her before, and this is definitely not going to be the last time you see her. And without further ado, the one, the only, Miss Katie Grimes. What an intro. (gasps) Thanks. <laughs> that was so great. I always get so nervous because I'm like, am I going to say something wrong? I think there was one time I had somebody on here and I was like, former Miss like yeah. USA. And she was like, that's not what I was. <laughs> She's like, current. No, just kidding. <laughs> She's like, thank you, but no. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Um, so I'm always like, wait, what, what did I write down? What exactly <laughs> was it? Um, and... Really quickly before we get into it, for um, your website, it's just katiegrimes.com. That's it. Correct. And social media, it's kg.katiegrimes. That's right. Okay. Gosh, great memory. Perfect. Thank you. Um, but I l- absolutely love her Instagram page. There's so many tips for free that love she gives you content. guys. So it is a great starting point if you're curious about learning more on what she does and how she can help. Definitely check out the Instagram page and then explore that website because there's lots of good stuff in there. But Katie, I always like to start with a couple introductory questions just to get the juices flowing. Perfect. They're very simple. It's not a pop quiz trick question type of thing. <laughs> I will score 100% on this because chances are it's about I, me. <laughs> I really hope that you do score 100% on this. If you don't, I'd be a little concerned. Okay. Um, first and foremost, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Yeehaw. And I spent some of my time in Situate, Massachusetts as well. Love. So for those of you who have no idea where that is, it's on the South Shore of Down by the Cape. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm not going to disclose it on this podcast, but she told me where her dad lives and he's literally like five <laughs> minutes away from my parents and so my ultimate goal is to try to find your dad somehow and stalk him and run into him i think he would love that i can't wait <laughs> i cannot wait okay um zodiac sign gemini through Ooh, and through really oh yeah born and bred um what's, double personalities what's your favorite part about being a gemini favorite part about being a gemini is the spontaneity like yeah. always up for anything you never know what you're gonna get never know what you're gonna get 
I will say that my personality is pretty much always the same, meaning I definitely need a nap and then I can bounce <laughs> back up. But <laughs> but you like what you see is what you get. Yeah. And I'm always down for a good time. I like I to try new things. I respect that. Yeah, Geminis like to have a good time. Yep. Hurls, you're a gem gem, aren't you? Ooh, when's your birthday? Oh, June 15th. Wow. Oh my gosh. One of my best friends is May 22nd and my dad is June 16th. Oh, okay. so I am in good company today, ladies and gents. Um, relationship status? Single. Yeah. And available. Oh. Single and looking. Um, it will drop her number <laughs> in the episode description if anyone wants to give Katie a call. If you do what most men do on Instagram, which is just send me a hey. That, don't do that. Oh, That's and weird. some like uh, <laughs> rockets emojis, like yeah, the fire just, sign. Could you say more? Mm-hmm. Uh, the best DM I ever got was from a guy in Boston, and he said, hey, I just saw that your Instagram page just came up. I really, you seem like a really incredible person. I would love the chance to get to know you. Would you be open to that? What a great, we didn't end up going out, but we did have a phone call, like a FaceTime, and I was like, this guy. I actually wow. ended up sending him to a client because I was my client was single, and I thought that they might they might uh so you were like listen i respect the hustle not for me but i got somebody else for you don't worry and i was honest about that i like that that's a hard thing to do Mm, i agree but i thought i kept telling him i was like that was the best line i've ever gotten and it wasn't even a line. it's just so genuine it's not even a line that's what makes it so good yep i listen i hope he's happily married somewhere I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie, your age, if you don't mind saying. 39. 39 and feeling fine. That is for sure. I love that. And last but not least, a fun little question. Um, and I think it will sort of make sense as to why I'm asking this mm-hmm. once we get into a little bit more details. But I'm curious what your me time routine looks like. I feel like everyone either has their morning rituals that they need to do or their evening. And I know that your self-care has to be important to you. Yes. So I'm curious, what does Katie do to recharge and, and get in touch with inner Katie? It depends on the ty- the season of the year, right? So if it's a warmer season, I will go to the beach and that's where I spend my time. I will journal, mm-hmm. read, walk. I get that all in at the beach. Otherwise, those things get done at home or near my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair. Yeah. I, I, I miss living in California where I could just like sit on the beach it did, like, cause now I feel like, you know, you only go to the beach when you're looking to tan or you're going to ho- go have a day and, and like hang out under the sun. Sunset on the beach when no one's there, everyone has left. Oh my gosh. It's the best. It's utopia. <laughs> That's it's a, a really great way to describe incredible. it. It is. incredible. It's my favorite time at the beach. Actually, there's no bad time at the beach. Let's Never a bad time at the beach. That reminds me, you know, those commercials, I don't even know what it is, if it's like progressive or some com- like whatever <laughs> yes, insurance company. Yes. But when they're like, you, know you see about. like the one cloud and they're like a bad day in Florida beats a good day anywhere else. That's what it just reminded me of. Just yeah. the way you said it. Do you know yeah. what commercial I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I know exactly. That's what they're <laughs> They're like all these people and there's a one tiny cloud for 0. Cloud. 0.5 seconds. And everyone's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> Okay, so normally when I have a guest come on, I, at this point in the show, would be like, okay, quick, give me your little, you know, elevator pitch, your, how would you, how would you summarize your background and your journey quickly? And then from there, we go into a little bit of a Q&A based on your profession, what you just shared, etc. But there's so many ins and outs of your story. I kind of thought it would be better to just like, 
have you share throughout the show and then I'll kind of interject with some of my questions about each thing as you're sharing and we'll kind of see where that takes us because there's literally so much to cover and I think it might make more sense that way for people. That's perfect. Okay, perfect. So I did tease it, but let's start from like the maybe like 2010. Let's sure. start from 2010, yes. okay? And give people a picture of 13 years ago, what was going on for you at that time? So at that time, I was living in York, Maine, which my friends had asked if I had internet. Yes, York, Maine does have internet. <laughs> That's so rude. So rude. And, um, and I, unfortunately, was living with somebody who was, I thought, was like the love of my life. And it, unfortunately, he was suffering from narcissism, um, sex addiction, Love addiction, codependency, alcoholism, overspending. It was well, I had smokes. I had no he idea. Had it all. He had it all. And I didn't know to call any of those things by name, maybe except for alcoholism, because I had grown up with alcoholism. Um, but at that time I had been living with him for about a year. We were talking about taking the next steps in our relationship, and I uh, it got physically abusive one night and I just found myself and on both ends yeah. and I just found myself saying to him, you know, you choose the bar over me. And in that moment, it realized that was the exact same line that I've actually said to my mom when I was growing up. And that, that moment was the kind of catalyst when they say like shit hits the fan or, you know, yeah. that's what it was for me is like, it actually trajected me into therapy. Ultimately I landed in 12 step recovery myself, which we can go into. And then, um, ended up like having a profession over this. So what's interesting is, um, I'm very thankful that that all happened, but I got to tell you at the time, I wasn't so thankful. Uh, well, no, wasn't of course so not. No. Of course not. The emotional abuse, the physical, it was mostly emotional though. Wow. Mostly like the building, the breaking you apart, like the love bombing, like making yes. you feel like you are so incredible and you're the best thing since a hot shower. And like, and then all of a sudden you're nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have said sliced bread, but I just feel like a hot shower is a lot better than I, sliced bread. I mean, honestly, free. yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so I literally just said that to somebody in the car and I was like, that's a weird no, analogy. Honestly, I didn't even question it. I know. I just I, saw it you It made smirk. sense. <laughs> I didn't think so twice. I just found myself in this place where I was like, okay, what the Lifetime special movie just happened? I got $10.47 in my name. I can't even pay for a motel down the street because the motel's $47. I had to borrow money from my uncle. And I was doing the back and forth of like, I left him for a little while. I got back together with him and I was secretive about getting back together with him. And, you know, if anybody's out there in a narcissistic relationship or has been in one, you know that there's really high highs and really low lows. Mm-hmm. And so the highs actually make up for the lows because they're so good, whether it's really passionate sex or whether it is um, great conversation or just how easily it is to laugh with one another. So what I found was when it got to be that really low low, I there were enough lows that were happening one after another. And when it became physical abuse, that's when I realized like I could recognize like, oh shit, this is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and ultimately ended up asking for help. And I called my dad who lives near you. And he said, um, there's this woman that you know, she's been in our life for a really long time. She's had similar experience of, you know, not only growing up with alcoholism, but also being in a relationship with somebody who has it. I think you should call her. So like logically I didn't. 
Of course not. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Right. Like logically, I was like, I don't need her help. We often do that. Truth be told, I was just ashamed. Yeah. Embarrassed. I was like, how did I get here? I'm like, college educated, you know, have two parents in my life, like have a good upbringing or so I thought. Right. <laughs> And then started recognizing that, like, I actually am somebody who prides herself on being so fiercely independent. That was then. So fiercely independent. I don't need help. I don't need to ask for help. And that ended up really kicking my butt because I lost my job at that time because I was so inconsistent with my performance. Um, And I didn't realize at the time I was having PTSD symptoms, which are hypervigilance, not sleeping, overeating, undereating. you know, being lethargic, things like that. And so uh, it wasn't until I found out that he, you know, that it became a physical abuse. He had cheated once before and was getting into a relationship with another woman all but two days later. Holy smokes. That that for me was like the icing on the cake. And I ended up calling this woman who has been a coach and mentor to me now for, you know, that whole time. And she she really changed the course of my life. I, I say that in the way that she showed up for me when she said she would. If she couldn't, she let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't judge him or criticize me, and she kept what we said between the two of us. And that was, that for me was built trust. And that's what she said. Like my job is to do two things. One is to build trust with you, and that means you have to do it with me too. Right. And then also, um, I'm going to teach you how to love you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing this from like my grandmother and family. Like I need to love myself before anybody else will love me. Like it's such a bullshit line. And she was like, but do you love yourself? And I was like. Mm, the verdict's still out. Verdict's still out at that time. Interesting. Okay, so I'm going to pause you there for a second because there's already so much to unpack. A, I just want to commend you and and say thank you for being so vulnerable. It is not that easy. And I'm sure for you now, it's like muscle memory, but to get to a place where you can first start talking about it and then be able to actually talk about it in a public setting and uh, as on a platform and you know as a way to help others that takes a tremendous amount of courage so thank you for that and i really appreciate you being here and being so open were you always this way like, were, like well i guess not because you didn't even you didn't want to go to that next step to have that conversation with her and sort of get and seek help you weren't always the type of like, I'm an open book, vulnerable, like no problem. It's funny you say that. I I was an open book with people to try to build a false sense of intimacy. So one of the characteristics of growing up with alcoholism is you often chameleon yourself. So, you know, if you're sitting like that, then I'll sit like that. Or if you're talking in an accent, I'll talk like an accent. I know it's silly, but actually pay attention to it. There are people in your life who do this and yes. it start, it's really interesting when you start to see it. So that's what I exhibited. And so what I found was when I was getting to know somebody in order to make them feel more comfortable, like they could trust me when really subconsciously I wanted to be able to trust them, I would overshare. I would overshare in order for them to create, like to create this bond with them. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that I was sharing with the wrong people. Yeah. Or you share like less pertinent information, right? Like the things that are really, really super personal to us, maybe you don't disclose, but you can tell, you know, what you had for breakfast last time I went to the bathroom, like all these like random little things that like really don't matter, but it's just a way of trying to connect. Yeah. I think sometimes people will do, I'll do that now. Like Mm -hmm. I 
will you almost test the waters but i think what i used to do if we're talking about like who i was back yeah. then oh no girl i would, you would i would everything. give it it all and just see how they would react and oftentimes what would happen is i'd be telling the wrong person so yeah. there would be shame there would be judgment there would be gossip or criticism and they would tell somebody else for example and so that would create that would recreate the story of worthiness for me like i'm not good enough see i do these things and then these people act this way mm-hmm. well really i wasn't testing the waters with by giving little bits of information to right. see how they handled those could they be sensitive empathetic compassionate could they keep what we say between us? Mm-hmm. And that's a big lesson that I've learned now. Absolutely. Also, how kind of ironic that your story had to come full circle before something finally clicked. You never, you know, it, it takes a really long time for people to start making those comparisons. And oftentimes it's a third party that like that outsider looking in to be like, well, don't you see why you're acting like this with your boyfriend because of your relationship with your mother? Like Mm. you actually came to that conclusion on your own. Mm. Um, but how interesting that we sort of have a tendency to repeat those patterns without even knowing or without even intending or meaning to. It wasn't until I met this person that my dad introduced me to, who then became a mentor all these years later, is that I recognized that, oh my gosh, this is actually like 100% common that people who have grown up with some sort of dysfunction, by the way, we all have. Yes. We all have. We just don't know necessarily to call it by name. Mm -hmm. But once I started to recognize like, oh, that's dysfunction or that's a characteristic of it or, oh, that's, then it made sense for me. Yeah. Speaking of calling things by name, and we kind of talked about this when we had chatted prior to being here today, but with today's society, I am very grateful that we are, you know, spreading more awareness around mental health and all these little things that we never knew what to call. Finally, we can, we can use the vocabulary. However, it's almost been in a lot of ways, like information overload to the extent where now we just use, oh, I I have anxiety, but do you really have anxiety or is that like the common phrase? So you know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. like people using the word boundaries, we hear that all the time. And it's like, do you even understand what boundaries are? So really quickly, I think just elementary level, Mm -hmm. it would be helpful to kind of define some of these terms from your, you know, experience and your professional um, opinion. But let's start with, uh, narcissism. I think a lot of people have different views on what narcissism is. How would you define it? So I would define narcissism as somebody who lacks empathy. It's a it's a condition in which they feel insecure about themselves, but it manifests and presents itself as though they are very confident. Mm-hmm. Well, how you know someone is narcissistic is if they lack empathy. So I'll give you an example of this. I'm sitting on a date the other night and the guy, I, I don't know what I said. Um, I might have said something like very quickly, like, oh, you know, but I can spot alcoholism like really quickly or yeah. something. And he goes, oh, okay, that's empathy. Yes. I know it's so subtle, <laughs> it's, but it's yeah. like, that's empathy, right? And right. he did it like a couple other times. And I was like, oh, he's he's empathetic. Um, but somebody who does not have co- care and, compa- and compassion and kindness, I'm trying to say all those three words at one time. I know, that's, that's really a good indication in my 
perspective. And again, I'm not a therapist. I don't work with narcissists, but, but this has definitely just been my experience is it's somebody who is egotistical, overly confident, makes fun of other people at their own expense to make themselves look grand. It's a grand, what's the word? Grandiosity, grandiosity or something like that. Don't ask me. Whatever. Don't even ask me how to spell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next, I want to define codependency because that's another huge one where people have different interpretations of. What is your definition of codependency? My interpretation and definition of codependency is when you take on the characteristics of you make somebody else's behavior mean something about you, right? So it's codependent, say, for example, if you if someone texts you and you don't text them back right away and they have a like, mm. what are you so busy? You know, like yeah. that's codependency, right? You're making it mean something about the fact that they haven't texted you back yet. Right. It's also codependent if when they do text you back and they're and the person is like a little nippy back at you, if you take it harshly. Like if you're like, mm. oh, like Jesus, you know, like I'm sorry you, you know, felt that way. That can be codependency because you're making, again, somebody's behavior, whether it be action, words, et cetera, mean something about you and your worthiness. Interesting. Mm. So what how would you like sort of differentiate the you know, there's something to be said about like the vibe, right? Like you can get a feeling um, or a gut instinct. Like, is someone being a little bit? Mm-hmm. Great you know, question. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between I'm actually just picking up the energy that you're giving me versus you're twisting something to make it about you when it's not? You know okay. what I mean? This is a great question. Okay. So, what comes to mind is the example of let's say you and I were to say hello to each other in the hallway. Mm hmm. And you greeted me with a big smile and you were like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And I greeted you, greeted you back with the same expression, right? And that's just, that's just two people picking up on a vibe. Now, let's see if I switched it a little bit and you were super friendly to me, but I didn't smile. You might immediately think to yourself one of two things, one of which is codependent, the other is not. The first could be like, oh, I wonder what's going on with her. Was like parking tough? Was it hard to get here? Yeah. Like, I hope she's was traffic, you know, rough, whatever. And you you don't make it mean anything about you. You make it mean about me. Like, why did I not smile? Right. The second is the story you tell yourself, which is like a great phrase from Brene Brown, which is like, oh, sh- she doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't smile. She walked in. She didn't greet me kindly like I greeted her. Therefore, she must not like me or I did something wrong, bad, etc. You see the difference? Yes. But sometimes that is the case. Like they're mad at you. They like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you know? That's a great question. I think what I would say is you could ask. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a big believer. And this is something that I got from my my mentor is and coach is like, you're responsible for what you say and how you say it. And I, I always joke. I always say, if you have a problem with me. But you don't tell me that you have a problem with me. Mm. We don't have a problem. That's how I feel too. Because I'm not a mind reader and I don't want to read your mind because I come from an alcoholic home where I try to interpret everyone's emotions and was always walking on eggshells. And so I constantly think that something's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've had to unlearn that for a really long time. So I tend to have friends now. Not always, but I have friends now where I know where I stand with them. And so if something's off with them, 
I can easily say, hey, is is everything okay? Is there something that I can do to, ha- to help? It seems like I'm, I'm picking up on the fact that you seem a little anxious right now. So I try to communicate what I'm observing in them with more articulation rather than being like, you cool? Everything okay? Right, right. As opposed to like, hey, I noticed that you just did X, Y, and Z. And I'm wondering like, is there anything I can do to be supportive? And at that point, the person will be like, you know, you actually like kind of stumped me earlier. Or if they don't say anything, they're like, oh, it's fine. Everything's good, which I've had happen recently. It wasn't a friend, but I immediately was like, this is not my person. Something's wrong. And she's not telling me what's wrong. And I just, I don't have time for this. Like, Yeah, I, I think asked. it's something that comes with age or after really being able to do that internal work if we've gone through something, yeah. you know, really serious or impactful in our lives. But it, I have this one friend, Arielle, and she's actually been on the show before, but she is so funny. She is the least presumptuous person in the entire world. Like, I always say I want to just have a little fraction of her optimism because she is, like, the last thing that she ever would assume is that I was mad at her. If even if I like was mad at her, like which I have, have not been, but like she is just so funny. Like if someone doesn't answer her, if something doesn't go her way, she's just like, oh well, you know, they must have been busy, or oh, you know, like there must have been a tornado in Florida, and that's why my insurance company hasn't <laughs> called me back. Like she, the last, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the, no one could possibly be avoiding her. No one could possibly be she's like very understanding. I, I the most understanding, the most understanding. I have, like a sliver of that. Oh my god. I wish like oh my gosh she's just she's so funny but she's and I love that mentality because why do we do that to ourselves automatically instantly put this like guilt trip on us like you may have popped your tire and you were annoyed that you had to deal with that headache today so when you see me the energy's at 60% why am I not like making sure Katie's okay versus driving myself crazy to be like, well, what could, let me just go in the memory bank. What could I have possibly done to upset her? And Mm. then we make up scenarios in our head. Oh, we do. It's crazy. What I've learned is the reason why we do it is because of how we grew up. It's the environment in which we grew up. And it's who we surrounded ourselves as with caregivers, siblings, uh, whether we were bullied as a kid or who our teachers were. We picked up mannerisms from them growing up. So that's why we do it. Isn't that so interesting? I was like, that's so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> it makes perfect sense yeah. at the same time, but but at this but it's like a child can't really articulate or grasp the full understanding. So I get why there's a disconnect at the same time. Like it makes perfect sense, but I also understand why you wouldn't put two and two together. Right. You know, especially as an adult, right? Right. Especially as we're in our thirties, twenties, thirties, you you get to a place where you're like, okay, I logically, this makes sense. Logically, it makes sense that I should not take this personal. What I've understood from the therapy I've gone to the 12 step recovery, like all the inner work that I've done is that we have these parts of us that are really young. They're called inner children. And so there's parts of us where this to me was like, what do these people like live inside of me? This is so confusing. So if you've ever heard inner child and you're just thinking I'm on like a spiritual journey, that's not what it is. It's actually like there's like therapy-backed science information about inner children and how there are these younger parts of us who can be early 20s to 8 years old, whatever the case may be. And they have memories of being snubbed or reading the room in a particular way and having that person not like them. And those are the parts that stay with us as adults. 
And yeah. so it's really learning how to listen to those parts and give them awareness and say, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Like literally you could talk to them or you can journal, et cetera, or you can talk about it in therapy. And it's a really great way to be able to connect with yourself and understand who's running the show. I love that. It's so funny. I saw a meme the other day and it mm. was like me dating at 20 years old. Do you like cats or do you like dogs? And then it was <laughs> me dating in my 30s. Okay, so what was your attachment style? Yeah, like, I, like, I need to know. And like you don't need to give me the full details. Mm -hmm. I get it. We're still getting to know each other. But your attachment style will tell me pretty much yeah. everything I need to know. And a lot of it has to do with your childhood. And how and are you loved? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do people express love to you when you were young? Exactly. Um, last thing I want you to def define for right now, I might have more later, but PTSD, I think mm -hmm. that um, a lot of times it gets associated with, you know, like military mm -hmm. and people who have been through these big, crazy, traumatic things. And I don't think there's enough acknowledgement as there's a scale to that, too. Mm -hmm. And also there are still very dramatic things that don't involve being deployed that can happen in a day-to-day. Yeah. -day. Um, and But yet, there's not always that diagnosis associated with it as as quickly as it might with a veteran, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. So yeah. um, how would you define it? And can you give some maybe more, I don't want to say like, real because all of these are real but mm. maybe more relatable to the audiences experiences, experiences yeah, what like what could yeah potentially yeah. give that sort of diagnosis yeah and so the reason I can speak to this is because I have PTSD um, and it's something that I didn't recognize until 2018 that I actually have had for a long time and so some of the symptoms can include like hypervigilance so if you're easily spooked or noises are really loud. So like when we tested the mics earlier, I said my ears are kind of sensitive. That That's what I mean. It's yeah. like a symptom of PTSD. Um, if you ever hear like a chime go off on your boss's computer next to you and it's really loud or bright lights are too bright, um, those can be symptoms. And you know, I, I also can classify it as oversleeping, undersleeping, overeating, <laughs> eating too much. You can also... Um, just find yourself, maybe, like I said, just getting like spooked a little bit, mm -hmm. um, just a little sensitive to sound and light. And high anxiety can also be, be there as well. And so for some of us, when we have anxiety, maybe we don't eat or we eat too much, et cetera. So um, those are just a couple of symptoms, but there's so many more. And I, again, I do, like you said, I think a lot of people associate them or those characteristics of PTSD as somebody who has been through the military. And that is definitely true. I mean, as we know, many of the people who support this country and fight for this country have seen some traumatic stuff. There are also other traumas that can happen, like if you lost a parent, if you got in a car accident, um, if you actually are watching a TV show and there's, say, like a rape scene or there is a pretty violent scene on TV and you sort of shudder. Like I twitch sometimes if something's too, it's too much for my nervous system, my body will actually like kind of jolt. Um, and so those are some secondary traumas, like there's secondary PTSD as well. And then there can also be like little traumas, which for anybody who's been through these quote unquote little traumas, I don't mean it in the sense of like, this trauma is bigger than your right. trauma. We're and like, we're not minimizing it, yeah. your experience by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but little traumas could be like, I remember being made fun of for the way that I looked as a kid. And I mean, I could point out any body part and somebody had made fun of it. 
right? So that's there's PTSD there because there are times where I'll go and I'll put on makeup or clothing and I think back, I'll have like a, it's almost like a snapshot, like a daydream, a memory. Mm-hmm. So I always notice that a TV show is actually doing, they're talking about PTSD without talking about PTSD. If you've ever watched a TV show and the actor has a real quick flashback, yes. those flashbacks are PTSD. That's a, I saw it recently on a TV show and I was like, oh, she has PTSD because she's getting these quick flashbacks of a traumatic moment that happened. And that for me happens is that every now and then something will occur and it's a sound or a smell, something that's familiar. And then all of a sudden my brain will, will just remember what happened or something that reminds me of that person or that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it's not necessarily just your memory replaying that encounter for the sake of it, it's because that's like a core memory for you in a way that's connected to this PTSD that you may be having in this present moment. Yeah, that's well said. Wow, Mm -hmm. interesting. Okay, Um, I also wanna ask you, and again, I know you're not speaking for anybody. I know you're not trying to make blanket statements, but from your experience um, personally or from, you know, coaching and talking to others, I'm curious, I, I think that all of us can relate to at this point or juncture in our lives, having been in a relationship that was toxic or unhealthy. And it's so easy on the outside looking in to tell your friend, leave him, what are you doing? That behavior is unacceptable, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're in the situation itself, it's all of a sudden night and day. Like it's a completely different scenario. We make excuses and it's not, it's easier said than done when it happens Mm -hmm. to us. I'm curious, why do you feel that we have, like that ability to sort of make excuses for our partner or to put up with specific behavior that perhaps deep down we know better than to accept or, you know, we would tell our friends otherwise. Like how do we get in those moments where we don't have the strength to kind of crawl out? Yeah, I think many of us stay in toxic relationships and or put up with the behavior of toxic relationships, be it a friendship, a family, like a lover, whatever it may be. And it's because it's what's familiar. Right. So we don't realize this, even though to the outside looking in, that behavior is not great or grand or would they would not recommend that we be in that relationship. But for us, we many of us who have been in toxic relationships have a high pain tolerance and we're often high achievers. So we can deal with a lot of stress, um, especially if you've grown up with any sort of dysfunction or alcoholism or addiction at all in your family. You perform well under pressure. You know, you can often be very stressed and try to maintain like minimal symptoms so people don't know that people assume you're calm, cool, and collective. Um, And so I think what happens is when we are in toxic relationships, we often are doing what is familiar. And for me, my experience was I thought that I could change him. Mm -hmm. I thought that if I just loved him more, this is the codependency, if I just love him more and I wear my hair like this or I wear this outfit or I cook this dinner or make the bed or whatever the hell I could do then that would make him love me more and he would change. And ultimately, that was not true. And it's not because it wasn't because I wasn't good enough and it wasn't because I didn't try everything to make him love me and to not cheat or not go out and drink or et cetera um, or talk to me the way that he did. 
it really was because I was familiar with growing up with a mom who did similar things. And, you know, to the outside looking in, my mom, people were like, oh, my God, your mom's the best. And like, my mom is the best. Yeah. But also my mom was struggling with her own demons. And so what happened was she was also getting into relationships that were quite similar. So through osmosis, a.k.a. me observing her behavior, I started to put up with that similar type of relationship. Um, And then I've also heard from other clients that they have gotten into toxic relationships unhealthy, whatever you want to call it. And they have two loving parents who have been married and who really respect each other and are, you know, really sweet and kind to each other. And what I usually say to them is, with all due respect, (laughs) chances are your parents probably fought like in their closet, you know, like, like chances are your parents have been through it and you just may not know. However, maybe there was the silent treatment Mm -hmm. or I had a client once who, um, started not feeling worthy because she didn't win the dance competition. And so these stories of like worthiness, it ultimately all comes down. The short answer should have been, (laughs) we don't feel good enough. Yeah. And we've learned that in some way somehow. Right. And and whether it was, you know, maybe you were picked on or your household, there's almost a little bit of that like, quote unquote, chaos or mm-hmm. instability that is familiar. So where you would hope that you'd get into a situation and it would be an immediate red flag and you'd walk away. It almost is a comfort zone. And it's like a welcome mat for a lot of people because, ah, this is what I know. And you ease into it. And also you have this idea that this will pass. They won't be like this forever. This is just a phase. And so you always think that you're going to work through it or you're going to help fix them and you're going to get to the other side as this united front. That was my experience. And I had a lot of clients also who were, who would come to me and be like, you know, Katie, I just want to trust myself. I want to be able to get to know somebody and whether that's particularly, it came from a romantic perspective, but then that's how it translated into business is they were like, oh, I also want to do this in business is like, they'd say, I want to trust myself. And so I'd ask them what that means. And ideally what they would say is I want to be able to meet someone and really trust the feeling that I'm having, which is this feels really good or this doesn't. Mm. And I will share that with help and support. And for me, I'm just sharing my experience. Not necessarily do I think that everyone needs to get help and support. I think you can be successful in your own right without it. But I, I find that I've had the most success and a lot of people I know have had a lot of more success and quicker success with help and support from trusted and safe people is that when you actually ask for help and you start to learn how to spot the red flags and then listen to them, like, how did this make me feel? Okay. That will come with practice and you'll become quicker and you become faster at it and you'll start to really pay attention. So I can give you a quick example. If yes. You want. Okay. So this guy texts me. He asked me for my number on the dating app. We had been just had a quick conversation and normally I don't exchange numbers that fast, but I was like, Oh, let me deal. I appreciate you cutting to the chase. Yeah. Um, give him my number. He, Oh, excuse me. He asked me for my number. I asked one more follow-up question and then he responded back like the next day, like, Oh, can you, so do you still want to give me a number? number, Katie? Right. Right. Like, (laughs) all right, let's get on this. And I was like, so I was like, I appreciate it. Okay. I'll give you my number. Give him my number. I get a text message from him that's like, hey, it's so-and-so. Hope you're having a great day. Um, you know, how, and he asked me a question. And 
I'll be honest, I couldn't look at it. I was literally in the midst of coming here, getting some things done for clients. Like when I'm trying to text, I want to be really present. And so I get a text message like a few hours later that's like, are you, and then I'll probably give it away if I say who he is. So I was like, he asked me a follow-up question. And immediately I thought to myself, you're not respecting my boundaries. Like, I didn't text you to let you know that I'm busy, but, like, I think you can infer by me not responding that I actually am heads down and it's legit been, like, 90 minutes, maybe two hours. So a red flag went off in me, like, okay, this is somebody who is may not – maybe a yellow flag. Like, this is somebody who might not be respectful of my boundaries mm-hmm. um, or who has self-awareness enough to know that, like, if I didn't get back to you right away, like, so obviously something's up. Right. So immediately my head went to, ooh, potentially codependent. That's what I thought. So then he I – He doesn't know who he's dealing with. Right? I was like <laughs> – You're like, I can see it right through you. I was like, I can see it right through you. <laughs> so then I um, shot him a text back after that second text. I was like, hey, thanks so much for your text. I actually haven't been able to respond because I've been heads down. I'm preparing for this, this, and this. Um, and I really try to be mindful of when I'm texting, I can, like, really be there and give you your f- the full attention that you deserve. And he writes back with a with a um, just a laughing emoji. So exactly, Sir? I did the same. So I was like, mm, <clears throat> okay, I'm not sure going to make assumptions, but immediately my instinct was like, huh? Okay, well, what, what was funny what, about I say that? that? Was funny, absolutely nothing. Right, so I was like, all right, I'm going to let this go. So I had some time on my call down here, so I was like, oh, let me give him a call. So I give him a call, no answer, and then in the text message I get back, it's like, it's an, I'm at work, it's an inconvenient time. <laughs> and I was like, all right, bro, we good. Like, And I don't know if it was Just a language to do barrier. A power move. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, for me, I'm not going to make assumptions that you are being sarcastic or codependent or petty, even though really that's what was happening. And I was like, I just need to go with how do I feel during this exchange without taking inventory of who you are, making assumptions about you, which is super hard for us to do, let's face it. Yeah. And so instead I was like, this is just, if I'm already not getting good vibes, I just think that maybe it's best that I just cut ties. Absolutely. Trusting your gut in that Mm -hmm. moment is the right, I mean, it's always the right right way to go to trust your gut, but especially in that, like, you you already have a great sense of this is what it's like off the bat. Yeah. I can only imagine how it would be if I actually had some sort of commitment to him, investment in him, and like, right. he, you know, like what are the expectations of me going to be then? That's crazy pants to me. Yeah. I'm just a big believer that you can communicate in a way that is like kind and compassionate and like I'm getting to know somebody yeah. who is that. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I would rather get, I would, if I had to divvy it up, I'd rather spend my time getting to know this person who's like really respectful of the fact that I only had a few minutes to chat in the car and was like willing to pick up. And even said, if I don't pick up, like, you know, that's, that just means that I'm at work. So I'll hit you up later. Like it was just a very different energy. And I was like, I only want to be surrounding myself with people who make me feel good about me, but it's also my job to feel good about me. Absolutely. But my instinct when I got that text was like, oh, I don't feel good. Right. And then I was like, you, okay, who's being codependent here? Is it me or is it him? And then I was like, it's both. Okay. Like, I have so much to teach you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I mean, I think it's, that's a perfect example too of like our egos, right? And, yeah. and back in that codependency, which is sort of all tied in at the same time, whether it's an ego doesn't necessarily mean you're full of yourself. It is just, it can be your insecurity at the yes. same time, you know? Yeah. But what he probably should have done in that moment is, 
I apologize. You know, first time texting, I wasn't sure if I had the right number or that like maybe I got scared you weren't going to text me back at all. Like, you know, you Own gave it. me a fake. Like, just like clearly that's the, the type of things that just were going through his head. Own it. Yeah. I jumped the gun. Take your time. Like whenever you're ready to talk. Like, you know what I mean? But for him expressing those words and saying that out loud is probably difficult. It's difficult for a lot of people. That level of vulnerability would have won him like a, another shot. Like it would have Absolutely. won him like a date or it would have won a phone call or whatever. And I just think that, you know, I think one of the things that women do really well, and I think that men are, are practice, I'm seeing more men practice this, which is really great, is communicating more about how how they're feeling when things are a little off. Like yeah. even when you're feeling a little too vulnerable. I'm seeing a lot more men do that and it's like so sexy. I love it. Mm. They're they're, you know, they they say maturity wise are a couple years behind us, right? That's what I've heard. Is I that wonder a thing? if that's true. I think I don't know. They're 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 catching up. They're catching up <laughs> quick. Quick. Don't worry, Hurls. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanna get I like we've totally derailed. I we yeah. haven't even finished. So like let's yeah. go back to your story and, and where you started getting your um one on one coaching and sure. what that was like for you and then sort of how that developed into all your business ventures and yeah. where you are now. I'll give you the cliff notes. So I ended up leaving that abusive relationship, was being mentored and coached by this woman who ended up being my sponsor through 12-step recovery. And most people associate 12-step recovery with AA. It actually can be anything, overeating, sex, love, you name it. And ultimately what I realized is I was overspending. I was codependent, aka love addiction. And then I also was an adult child of an alcoholic. So not to label myself, but it actually helped me to understand that the qualities and characteristics that I was possessing, be it the jobs I was chasing, the men I was chasing, yeah. the friendships I had, the late nights at the bar in Southie from Thursday to Sunday, like all of that behavior was really in an effort to try to make myself feel really good about me. And so I went on this conquest of I am going to listen to the podcast, read the books, go to 12-step recovery as it relates to those programs and really get good in all these aspects of my life. And what I learned was one of the key phrases of like progress, not perfection, right? Like if you look yes. back at who you were 15 years ago when all this mess went down when I was living in New York, Maine, and then to now, have I made progress? And the answer is yes. Like I think that I'm more trusting. I trust other people differently. My group of friends is a lot smaller now, but it's those of like really incredible confidants. I clearly can pick guys out a little bit better now. It's really, it's been a wonderful thing. My relationship right. with my parents is different. And so as I fast forward, um, I, I changed careers quite a few times. So between 2010 and 2018, I was in Boston and I was, you know, in tech, I was in information management, I was in finance, you name it. And then I ended up getting into commercial real estate, which was so awesome. It was actually right down the street from where we are now in the studio. And I was there for five years and I loved it. Like I didn't particularly love some of the things that were happening within our organization particularly, but I did love how I could be myself. Mm -hmm. And this was really the defining moment. Like I found a career and I was given this advice to write down a pros and cons of everything that you want as it relates to a career. I wanted the ability to work remote. I wanted the ability to be myself. I wanted the, the ability to talk about or dress the way that I want, et cetera, and build these really amazing relationships. And as I did the pros and cons list of this career in commercial real estate, this job met it. 
And I was there for five years, which was like the longest stint I had been at. And I was like so proud of myself because I was always changing jobs like every year and a half to two years. Total Gemini. Um, and was constantly chasing like a higher paycheck. And it wasn't until two, 2015 when I got into commercial real estate, I realized that there was a really big need for talking about health and wellness within commercial real estate because we had this lifestyle where we were out a lot, really late, not really working out, et cetera created this group called WIRE, Wellness for Women in Real Estate. And I it was a co-founding uh, opportunity with my friend Megan. And it took off. It was really incredible. And it was just really cool to see the relationships that we had formed, many of whom have become clients and friends to this day. Um, and I realized that there was actually a really big hole in that, in that people would still show up to these events to work out, but they'd have full glam makeup on. <laughs> and they'd be talking about their body and how they didn't really like it. And I was like, oh, okay, we need to do something different here. So I started talking about emotional health and wellness, thinking thoughts, feeling feelings, taking actions that make you feel good about you. And from that, um, I ended up starting to do speaking gigs, did my first one at Reebok where we had like almost a hundred people, yes. myself and another co-founder. And we started talking about fear. So to have a hundred people show up and talk about fear was like kind of a big deal because I didn't think people would. And it was the first time I publicly told my story, like start to finish. Um, and so from there, um, I got let go from my job because I, I, I think two reasons that I think I got let go. One is I had PTSD, so I wasn't able to perform in my job as well as I thought I could. And the second was that I had been raped and assaulted um, in 2018, and I had publicly talked in front of clients, friends, et cetera, during this 100-person event that had nothing to do with work. But I think it kind of all came to a head where my boss was like, yeah, nah, really? I know you were going to do the event. I know you told me you were doing the event, but like this is not good for for us. When in fact, it actually cultivated a lot of trust within my industry. Absolutely. A lot of trust. Some I've listened to a couple episodes of your podcast. Mm. And one of the um, episodes in particular, I loved how you said, for people that say business is not personal, <sighs> you're, you're so wrong, because so much of business is personal. And I completely like could not agree more with you because people work with people they like, and you build relationships with people you trust. So I don't care if you're selling something, if it's marketing, if it's healthcare, whatever industry position, everything boils down to personal. Yeah. And you may not think that, but it really is what I think shapes those the longevity of a lot of your business relationships. And I think it's it's so important. It's crucial. I agree. I think that phrase, uh, business isn't personal, yeah. came from those that are in their like 40s and 50s and older. Mm. Came from that older generation because I, my mentor is in her 50s and sometimes she'll say that like business is personal. I'm like, yes, it is. Right. And I think we're of a generation where business is very personal for all the reasons that you just said. And for me, I wanted to cultivate real authentic relationships within commercial real estate. I wanted people to buy from me regardless of what the product is and that they would know that I would do right by them because I would always be honest with them, yes. which I was. And I think that what happened was I created a really amazing reputation, which was something that I had always really prided myself on. And so I remember I got this advice from a coworker who ended up being a client. And he said, KJ, no matter where you go, you're going to be successful. So 
and this was before I got let go. Like he was like, I will, I will buy, and somebody else said it, they were like, I'll buy anything you're selling. And another yeah. person said like, I will literally, you're going to be fine no matter where you go. Like you have an incredible talent. And to hear those two men say that to me really gave me the confidence that I need. And I know sometimes we, sh- we, we pride ourselves on like not needing validation, but everybody needs it. And so those were things for me that I took with me when I did get let go, got my bonus, um, had unused vacation time and all that money kind of pulled in. It was about 20 grand give or take with some taxes. And I was like, okay, I could live off of this for like six months. I kind of did the math. I was like sitting at the beach crying. You said, where do I do my best work? Like sitting at the beach crying, (laughs) being like, am I going to do this? And I had the opportunity to become a broker in commercial real estate for for a couple of firms and ultimately called them and said, I'm going to go do my own thing. And I have no idea what I'm going to do. But ultimately what I decided was to help people figure out whether they would stay or go from their career. Funny enough. Then that started sparking with, People decide if they're going to stay or go from careers for the reason you just said, which you may not realize, relationships, (laughs) right? And then I realized that one of the biggest secrets that I had been keeping from everybody was that I was actually in recovery for sex and love addiction. And most people had heard sex and love addiction because of Tiger Woods. Remember he smashed his car and like all this other shit, (laughs) David Duchovny. Oh my God, Right? And so I was like, I would really love to put a female face in front of that in front of that name and help people understand that it's of all genders, all sexualities, um, all races internationally that people suffer from codependency and where does that come from, aka love addiction, where does that come yeah. from? And so that's what I wanted to be known for. And I think that as time went on, I, I truly was, I still get calls to this day, people asking if I'm taking clients. And you know what I've now done is I've weaved it into coaching for people who wanna start coaching businesses or, or online businesses. I do have some people who are online businesses. And we talk about everything that we've discussed on the podcast today from you know, how you, sh- how do you have PTSD symptoms to how do you manage your stress to avoiding burnout to what was it like growing up with your parents? Because all of that factors into the relationships you have in your life, the cho- career choices that you make, how you spend your money, you name it. So sure, it's pretty much life coaching. But what I really specialize is like learning how to trust yourself when it comes to business. And then how do you then trust yourself in relationships? You know, many of my clients call and say, oh, I'm going on a date. Can we talk about this? And so it all kind of. Yeah. Well, one uh, one of the other episodes that I was listening to of your podcast, I loved how you made the connection between um, the way we sort of love and approach love is usually hand in hand with the way we approach money. Yes. So I'm sure you'll remember speaking <laughs> about it, but you sort of said, you know, like, I, like, and I'm the same way. I'm a spender. It's like, as soon as I get the money, it's in my bank account, out of my bank account. And I also have this mentality where like, as soon as this guy comes, he's just as quickly going to leave. And I never would have ever made that comparison. But will you kind of elaborate yeah. on that a little bit for people? Because I, it was mind blowing to me. I was like, wait a second. I didn't, I never would have thought those two things like intersected at all. So the way that we show up in romantic relationships is often the same way that we show up with our money. And you gave a great example of that. So I was somebody who often overspent because when money would come in, I'd be afraid that it would be gone, which it was. I ultimately spent it. it. (laughs) 
And then from there, I showed up in the same way in love. So if I would get a little bit of attention from a guy, say it's a text message, or um, I would hold on to it so tightly, right? And I wouldn't want to let it go. And so I would overdo my love and attention on them. But really underneath it was the same mentality with money as it was with relationship, which was scarcity. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that there was never going to be more. And so I had to really suck it for everything it was worth. And I didn't mean to. I just like... It was unnatural at the time, I, or excuse me, it was natural at the time, but I now look at it as being like, oh, wow, that was a defense mechanism. That was a trauma response because I was so used to having this kind of love from my mom, particularly, that was very like all or nothing. And so money was the same in our house. It was all or nothing. And, you know, I just had a conversation with my dad today. I was like, dad, I have a therapy question. Like, I have a question from therapy. Can you teach me money as if I had never learned about money? Like, don't pretend I'm, pretend I'm not 39, Dad. Like, right, start from the beginning. And so he gave me some basics, right? And he was so, like, loving and, sh- and gentle and wasn't shaming because I figured, like, at 39, he might be like, Kate, how come you don't know this? Um, but it is. It's really true, I think. And my dad, funny enough, spends money aka saves money the way that he gives and receives love too which is interesting very interesting Mm -hmm. i i just i that was mind-blowing i i I wanted to make sure we shared that because i i think a lot of people i want you guys to go home now and think about what your relationship is with money and your relationship with love and if there's any similarities it could be a really eye-opening experience but sort of back to the business Mm. You have such a unique approach. I think you almost get this combined therapy session alongside business 101 and starting a business, which, again, you're showing that those things come, you know, hand in hand a lot more frequently than we think and help us to sort of better define what our business is and where our purpose and passions lie. Um, But Tell me, you you did start as a dating coach, right? But one of the things that you talk about a lot was it's not necessarily always, you know, finding the next boyfriend, girlfriend. It was about kind of dating ourselves. It was, and yeah. not not necessarily just trying to get you into a new relationship, mm-hmm. right? It was like learning more about who we are. So one of the most interesting things that I find about running a coaching business is that you often coach on the things that you have the most experience with. And then also your clients will tell you what they need, right? So then you'll start coaching on it and or you'll refer out because you may not know it. And so what I found was there, sure, some clients were coming to me wanting to stay or go from their careers and figure out their purpose and their passion in life. And I was able to share the story of like, oh my God, look at this train wreck I just went through for the last like 10 years. Like this is how I built a business off of all these life lessons, the, the tears, the joy, et cetera. And then also during that time, because I was recovering in sex and love addiction therapy, I had taken time off about a year and a half to get to know myself. And it was really tough. You know, I I gave up alcohol right before that. And I thought that was the reason maybe why I was like dating these guys that were super toxic. Um, Turns out it didn't matter. I was actually (laughs) unrelated. Unrelated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I found was a lot of clients were coming to me when I was, you know, talking about it openly on social media that if you really take this time off for yourself to get to know yourself, you're going to be able to spot red flags quicker. You are going to be able to set better boundaries. You are going to be able to stick to them even when you set them, like different things like that. 
And so I just said to them, like, listen, I am not going to tell you that you should or should not date that guy or girl. But what I am going to encourage you to do is, like, let's take a little pause from dating and let's just get to know you and what makes you you. And so I had this course called Letting Love In where people got the chance to go through from, like, everything to what do they like? Really, truly, like, do I like the color white? Do I like the color purple? Do I like what, what do I like? Because sometimes we so often mold ourselves. You you shared this quote from Glennon Doyle. Oh my it, god, I was gonna say. I feel like I'm I'm reading yeah. the book right now. I feel like I'm in like an audible. You know, like they're yeah. reading the book out loud. Everything that you're saying is so in tune with the book. You guys, I put it on my story recently, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle absolute must read my wonderful friend Laura gifted it to me and it was the sweetest most thoughtful gift ever and she said it was life-changing it truly it truly is yeah every page I'm like whoa and or it, wow I thought that but I thought I was crazy for crazy for you thinking know? that way I told you she made it's, me want to be a writer incredible she, she's absolutely incredible and so much of what you're saying is in line with her mindset as well well she has such a way of depicting how we often mold ourselves yes. to being what other people want from us but yet we are doing ourselves a massive disservice yes right and so that is partly codependency too. I like to just call it by name because yeah. I used to think it was me and I used to think I was crazy and something was wrong with me. And really I'm like, oh, I learned that behavior. So these behaviors are learned. Yes. And so I found myself just constantly doing things for other people or liking the same things that they liked because I thought that would make them like me and then I wouldn't feel so lonely. So once I started teaching people, I kind of dubbed myself of like a I'm a dating coach that's encouraging you not to date, (laughs) is to really take this time to get to know yourself. And I think eventually what happened was I was asked a question on a date, funny enough, last year. And the guy said, if you could do anything in the world, didn't matter how much money you had, what would you do? And instinctively, I said business coaching. And then I went, he goes, why? And I go, because like I'm a low-key business coach. Like I don't, I have all these dating and relationship clients who are either not dating or in actively in relationships and we're navigating it. Mm-hmm. But like on the low, I'm like coaching them on their business so we can apply the same rules and you know yeah. techniques. And yeah, so ultimately I ended up making the switch. But before the switch, I think it's just, I want to give you mm. the kudos and credit you deserved. Within three years as starting your your original coaching business you were you had garnered 350k yeah. in revenue 350,000 yeah is insane Thank it's you. so much to be proud of and so then you sort of use that as your pivot your leverage to pivot right you said okay I I enjoy this type of coaching and clearly it's been successful it's helping others but now I can use this success and this model and share it with others and dive into just starting to create your own business. And that way you kind of found this happy marriage and medium between the two. Yeah. And you've been able to move into that. So right now, what do you offer in terms of courses or classes for coaching, for starting and creating your own business? Yeah. So there's a variety of things that you can do, but one of the things that I tried to do, and this was kind of based off of the old business, was really put something together that's really affordable. Um, and so, you know, the lowest cost offer that I have is $27. 
right? And then I have everything up to like a $12,000 offer, which is like private coaching. So there's something right now called the coaching roadmap, which literally gives you access to all the live classes that I'm doing in this particular year. Um, And if it's as successful as I know that it will be, we're going to do it for uh, 2024 as well. But essentially what it means is you can pop into the live recordings. You can also just watch them on replay and ask questions and just really feel supported for like a fraction of the price of private coaching. And then you'll be surrounded by other entrepreneurs who are literally feeling the same way as you. So, you know, I have some coaches who are in there who are making nothing because they haven't started their business yet and they're just sort of like brainstorming. And then I have others who are sold out and making, you know, $20,000 a month, et cetera. So I I really wanted to put blend these two varieties of people together because I think it's humbling when you're making 20k a month or more and you remember where you started and vice it gives the other person hope as well yeah um so the coaching roadmap would be the way to get started in my opinion it's like a fraction of the cost and all the details can be found on my website and on Instagram is incredible I love it I think so many people hesitate to to do something like this because one of two things either a they're afraid that they won't be able to commit to it Mm -hmm. and they'll be sort of like embarrassed when they can't show up but it's like your life is so hectic already there so like it gives them that sort of flexibility which that would normally make me maybe make them like reluctant or um they just like don't know where to start or like they're ashamed to say like I don't have anything formulated in my head yet so you really can support them either way there's flexibility throughout so they can pop in here and there and then also you'll work with them from ground zero yeah exactly and that was the whole intention is, you know, that's been my journey is I remember the day that I started and I was making no money and I was like, how do I even start this thing? And, you know, spending a ton of time and money on things that I didn't need. And I, I mean, that's like ground zero is I'm like, hey, just so you're aware, you need these three things. It costs less than $1,500 to start a business in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, And it's a lot easier than you think. However, the whole part of it is confidence. So that's where all the other courses come in is because I do have clients who make money and we coach together and that's be- and they're not at ground zero, right? They they've been in in business from f- for 3 or 4 years. And um and what I've found is that by teaching them all the tools that I've kind of learned along the way, it helps I don't know, for lack of a better word, like helps them not make the mistakes that I did and go through. If I can help anybody do that, I I'd rather save you the time and money because there were some painful lessons, you know, yes. it was you know, if a client wanted a refund, that happened once. Um, you know, somebody, you know, I remember one time the first negative comment I got and somebody made on my about my body. Like, you know, these these things that happen, but then there's also really great things that happen around setting your price and feeling so confident around your price and knowing that you're that it's not based on your self-worth, even though people are like, oh, you know, you should charge what you're worth. And it's like, no, I'm worth way more right. than 12 Gs. But like, it's cool. This is what I'm going to charge because this is how much time I'm going to give you. Right. And try really try to break it down for people to make it so easy for them to start businesses and to really be successful um, yeah. in their for in their in their first endeavor, even if it's not their first time doing a business. Absolutely. Maybe they're making a career move or a change and it's just starting new, starting fresh. But I think so many people gatekeep and there's just sort of this fear of I don't want to share my blood, sweat and tears and, you know, all the lessons I've learned because I had to learn it the hard way. So you do, too. Or there's this like, mentality of like it won't click or absorb until you've been in that situation. And you have to work yourself up, you know, from 
from rock bottom. Like you know, a lot of people yes, think I know. that, which I which I I appreciate in some yeah. sense. But I honestly think those are all cover ups for. I like to have my own lane, my own space. I want to be the only person. But, like, there is enough room for all of us. It's funny you say that. I told my dad I was coming on this podcast, and I yeah. named, named the podcast. And he was like, that's so cool. Oh, did And he? then I was you like, don't yeah. have to be, you don't have to lie to me. No, I swear like, to you. Literally, he, I was like, Dad, it's a... It's like, think of it as like a roadmap to your 20s and 30s. And I was like, you know, that map you didn't give me and had me just like figure it out on my own. He goes, Kate, I hate to break it to you, but like, I also didn't get a roadmap. I just had to figure it out on myself. I was like, I know, but how smoother would the ride would have been <laughs> in your 20s and 30s had you just told me like, dad, I'm like, if you were like, Kate, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're probably going to sleep with people you don't want to sleep with. And then like afterwards, you're going to realize like, oh, I actually really like that quality about that person or yeah. I didn't take that job or I like this job or you're gonna figure out who you are and what you like and um I just laugh at it because I'm like god I've, a roadmap would have been a lot easier so I don't believe in the whole like you just tough it out and you figure it out yourself right. like I'm like here try yeah, this please honey <laughs> let me help you try this it doesn't mean you're gonna be successful you're gonna find your right. own rhythm to like take what you like um tweak what you don't and and That's even toss it right? yeah yeah absolutely well it's absolutely incredible. It's very inspiring. And again, I can't thank you enough for being here and for all that you do and for sharing all this additional information. You are very, no doubt in my mind that you're making this world a better place day by day. So thank you so much. It's it it so means a lot. And I think just your model and the way you operate speaks a lot to your character and who you are. You just genuinely, authentically want to help others. And not as many people out there have that mentality as I wish they did. So it is not lost on me. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that we have this, you have this platform where people like myself can come on and share these stories because I think you are giving a lot of people hope with, you know, whether it's their finances, whether it's their purpose and passion, whether it's about sex or love, it's giving people a platform to feel like they're not crazy. And I think that that's such a gift that we can give people is like, like knowing that we're all kind of on the same boat and we're all trying to figure it out. And some of us have roadmaps and others are, we don't. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It's all that's okay. That's the hope. That's the yeah. hope. Like we're, you can sit there and think that this only happens to me or mm. why am I always in this situation? You're never alone. This little community, I love hearing everybody's stories from start to finish and then their little sort of nuggets of advice. It's just there. It's a nice place where we can all kind of come together and resonate and, you know, enjoy each other's stories and learn a little bit of something. Feel good. Cry, laugh, whatever you yeah, want to do. Just so, feel like we're not alone. Thank <laughs> you. Before I let you go, two things. Number one is anything upcoming that we should be on the lookout for from you, um, either if it's like an event, if it's a new service that's coming up, anything we can kind of keep our eyes peeled for. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, the best way to do that and figure out where, you know, what I've got going on is Instagram, kg.katiegrimes. That's like the latest and greatest updates. Um, and the coaching roadmap is probably where people want to start. But again, every day I'm talking about something. So depending on where you are in your journey, um, you'll always be able to see on my stories, particularly what might feel the best for the person that's listening and saying, yeah, I can use a little coaching right now on 
a particular topic, whether it's making $20,000 or just getting started or somewhere in between. Okay, awesome. And then last, but absolutely not least, I always, we talk about a ton of different stuff on on each episode. Um, It can be pulling from something we've discussed, or it can be something we didn't even get to cover, but I like to end with a final piece of advice. So Katie, if there is one takeaway that you hope everybody out there who's listening absorbs, understands from you, your experience, your lessons learned or mistakes, um, it can be something that maybe you just wish you knew sooner, what would that one thing be? The one thing that I would tell people is the life that you're living right now is all leading up to something that will provide for a better service, you know, or a greater service to others. Maybe it's you finding your passion. Maybe it's the person that you're going to marry. Maybe it's that you're choosing to travel the world. I know that it feels hard right now. And I think that's that's the important thing I want to get away with it, get away or take away from this is it might feel hard right now. And that's okay. You might be shedding tears and wishing that you had the answers and that you would have more certainty as to what the next steps are. The more that you can trust that you are exactly where you need to be and then you lean on the right people who are trusting, safe, supportive, might not be the people we think that are in our lives right now. But if we can find those people, even if we have to hire them, I say that to my clients sometimes. I'm like, I'm not saying this because you have to hire me. I'm just saying like... You might have to hire people. Mm -hmm. I hire therapists so that they can help me navigate. And I think wherever you are, if you're feeling a little crazy, you're feeling a little alone or lonely, you're not alone and it will get better and easier. I think the biggest advice that I can give you is go ask for help. Perfect. As my girl Glennon would say, if life is hard, it just means you're human. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. And I think that is something that we battle with all the time. When, when things are hard, we're like, what did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening mm-hmm. to me? Where did I screw up along the way to get here? You didn't do anything wrong. That's life, baby. And it's the beauty of being human and it's tough. But if you can't feel things and like things doesn't get difficult, like what, like what you want to be numb all the time? You know what I mean? Right. Like it'll pass. You'll get through it. That's such a good reminder. I think the other thing I would wrap with is saying it's okay to feel your feelings. I mean, that's the one thing that I say to my clients, I say, if I'm going to teach you nothing, this is what I'll teach you. I'm going to teach you how to feel your feelings. So when you you started the podcast by talking about anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Anxiety is a feeling, but it's the story we're telling ourselves that's making us anxious. So what's the story? Let's just go to those thoughts. Is it is it something that's personal going on in your life that's making you think this and making you feel anxious? Okay, like you can change the story. It does but I think what I'm hearing a lot on Instagram lately and on social media is like, oh, but just reframe your thoughts. Like, and no, you have to acknowledge, it's that inner child. You have to acknowledge where those thoughts come from. You have to make peace with them. You have to accept them. And then you also have to, the adult self has to step in and say, I got you. Yeah. You're okay. I love you. I'm protecting you. This is how we can think differently so that we feel differently. Even your tone of voice is just comforting me right now. Mm. The way you're talking to me, I'm like, Okay, what do you say? (laughs) Okay, but that was a perfect way to end it. Thank you again so much for being here and for doing this. Thank you guys for listening. Please make sure you go and follow Katie on Instagram and check out the website. And I will see you next week. Bye.